We are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. Welcome to Patreon exclusive episode 123 on Greg Kelly, wrongful conviction. We got a lot of these wrongful convictions coming up. Yeah, I went uh, through a little baby rabbit hole, I feel like, with the wrongful conviction situation. Now, this one, like our main episode about, I literally can't remember his name right now. Cameron Todd something. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, He was just like all around questionable. This one, 100% wrongful conviction. This guy is all good. Wow. So life ruined for nothing. Mm hmm. Wow. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and get us started so we can learn about this super sad tale that you've been hitting us with left and right. Okay. (laughs) Greg Kelly, he was a high school football star with a loving girlfriend, Gabri Anderson, who was close to achieving his dreams of attending the University of Texas on a scholarship when everything fell apart. On August 9th, 2013, police in Cedar Park, Texas, arrested 18-year-old Gregory Kelly, again, standout high school football player in nearby Leander, Texas, on charges of sexually assaulting a four-year-old boy. Wow. That which escalated quickly. Yeah. Yes, it did escalate very quickly. Police said the child, who we're going to call H.M., because he is a four-year-old, mm-hmm. in 2013, <laughs> was assaulted while at an in-home daycare operated by Shama McCarty. Now, McCarty's son, Jonathan McCarty, keep that name in your head because he's coming back up, was a classmate and a friend of Gregory Kelly's at Leander High School. He offered Kelly a place to stay during his final year of high school after Kelly's father was hospitalized with a stroke and his mother suffered a brain tumor. So like rough go, bad stuff happening. Both of Kelly's parents needed to be in or near hospitals because of these health issues. And the McCartys agreed to have Greg stay with them so he could finish out his high school year, get the scholarship, like, you know, go full on. He's got a lot going on as an 18-year-old, so he can't be moving right now. Right. The worst timing ever. Graciously let him stay in their home. H.M.'s mother told authorities that on July 13th, her son said that Greg had put his penis in the boy's mouth on two occasions. She told police that the only Greg she knew was Kelly, who had lived in the home until June 11th, but then he moved back home. Police speculated, based on the boy's outcry, that the assault occurred on July 12th. Several days after Kelly was arrested, police said that another four-year-old boy, identified as LM, said that Kelly had made him touch Kelly's penis. So not only one, but now you've got two kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Two four-year-old boys, which I mean, that's a lot. That is a lot. One, and where would a four, you know, a four-year-old. Where you get that. that. You don't just get that out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. For sure. Kelly, who had verbally committed to play safety for the University of Texas at San Antonio for their football team, denied molesting the boys. So he's got a lot going on. I mean, this is a big deal. Oh, yeah. He's he's verbally agreed to play for the University of Texas as a safety. Like, that's a lot. And he said he didn't do it. 
In July 2014, Kelly went to trial in Williamson County Criminal District Court on two counts of indecency with a child and two counts of super aggravated sexual assault. He had rejected a prosecution offer to plead guilty to an indecency charge, which would have required him to register as a sex offender for 20 years and be on deferred adjudication, a form of probation for 10 years. He said, no, I'm not playing this game because I'm not guilty and God is all about the truth. He said that to his mother. Wow. The prosecution got an indictment setting the date of the offense with HM as on or about April 15th, 2013. So that second child that, no, the first child that said that that had happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. They they set the date of the offense to April 15th, 2013, which if you think about it prior, they said July 12th. Yeah, that's quite a but gap. Kelly, but Kelly wasn't still in the house July 12th. He was still in the house April 15th. So they're matching it to fit the narrative of what they want. Mm-hmm. During opening statements to the jury, Kelly's defense attorney, Patricia Cummings, said the accusations were false and that nothing had happened to the boys. She maintained that the lead detective, Christopher Daly, had manipulated L.M. The jury was shown a video of H.M. being questioned by a forensic interviewer at the Child Advocacy Center in Georgetown, Texas. The boy said his mother walked in while Kelly was assaulting him and a physical altercation occurred. The boy said Kelly punched him in the chest. This was fanciful, however, The prosecution and the defense agreed those things never happened. So both of them were like, nah. Yeah, because, I mean, that video shows the child saying that that happened, but the prosecution and the defense teams both said that that never occurred, that that situation never occurred. So what you're, like, leading up to here is that they're four-year-old boys. Yeah. And they're impressionable and children make things up. But not like, you know, there's like a lot. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Jennifer, oh, Dizavetto, Dizavetto, we're going to call her. (laughs) She was a forensic interviewer at the Williamson County Child Advocacy Center and interviewed the boys. She testified that it was not uncommon for children to tell fantastical stories when discussing such disturbing events. She said that LM never said he was molested during the interview. She said that after her interview with LM, Detective Daly then interviewed the boy, and only then did he accuse Kelly of the molestation. And we see this all the time. Like, I can't remember the details, but I was watching a Dr. Phil episode, and this kid and his friend um, came back from the movie or something like that, and his parents were murdered. And they did not do it. And they, like, months later, after the trial, everything like that, like, they weren't officially, like, charged for the murder. But they did a sting operation. And these kids were, like, 17, 18 years old. They did a sting operation where they had two undercover officers go to the boys and basically said that it was, like, a mob hit and they were a part of the mob. And that they needed to know what happened because they needed to take care of something else. And of course, these poor kids are probably shitting bricks because they feel like these people are a mob. Yeah. So they don't want to draw attention to saying it was something to do with the mob. So they're like, yeah, I murdered or murdered them. 
And they're like, well, how did you not get any blood on your clothes? And the guy, the kid's like, well, I did it naked. No, you didn't. You're just, you know, you're just trying to Mm -hmm. come up with something to make it fit. Like, that is so wrong. Was that in Canada? I think so. Yes. That's that thing they do that we've talked about that is like very questionable, but sometimes yields results. Yeah. Yeah. And they got in the one, the son got convicted and he's still like, he's been in prison for like 23 years because of that crazy oh we have to gosh. do we have to do a story a on whole that one mr we need to do a whole thing on the mr big operations in canada because yeah. they are freaking wild but yes in this case so the forensic interviewer didn't get anything out of lm but detective daly the police officer the police detective then interviews the child and all of a sudden he's saying that he was molested by kelly right HM testified via closed circuit television and said that while he was sleeping on a couch, Kelly came in wearing SpongeBob pajamas. HM said that Kelly pulled down the pajamas and put his penis in HM's mouth twice. The boy said that Kelly put lotion. This is so disgusting. Put lotion on his own penis before inserting it into the boy's mouth the second time. HM also said that Kelly tried to put his mouth on HM's penis. When prosecutors attempted to walk the boy into the adjacent courtroom where Kelly and the jury were located, HM fell to his hands and knees and refused to budge in view of the jury. Can you imagine? No. Like, that makes me sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. And, like, even just picturing, like, a four-year-old who went through something. I mean, clearly the kid went through something. Like, having to see that just makes me, like, ill. Yeah, that's about that. That's the worst part is like there's so much damage done already. And then like having to try to put them through that process of like mm-hmm. rehashing everything like that's so and and yeah, children are impressionable. They want to be please, please what you want them to say. So they're going to go for it. Like and, and yeah, something probably did happen to him because I couldn't imagine him just picking this out of, you know, of the sky. Yeah, and making all of that up, like, he put lotion on, Mm -hmm. you know, like, that's just a weird thing to make up. Yeah, right. To me, there's just weird things to specifically make up. Some things, like, okay, maybe, but, like, other things, like, where would you get that as a four-year-old unless that actually happened? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think. I don't know. Right. After the failed attempt to have HM identify Kelly in front of the jury, the defense and prosecution had a hearing outside the jury's presence to address the impact of what had happened and whether the prosecution was required to have HM identify Kelly since he had testified via closed circuit television. When considering how to rule out on the issues presented, the trial judge Billy Ray Stubblefield mentioned that the identity of HM's assailant was in play and that there were questions raised earlier about Jonathan McCarty, which we talked about earlier, being a possible suspect. So that is the son of the that lives in the house mm-hmm. who was in the house in July. Yep. Just saying. <laughs> well, and how simple is it for him to just be like, my name's, you know, Kelly. Yeah, my name's Greg, Greg Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. The trial judge apparently was referring to references that had been made about LM's video recorded statement where LM mentioned Jonathan as being involved in the incident with Kelly. 
as well as a claim that when LM first mentioned the abuse to his parents, he referred to the bosses as Jonathan and Kelly. In response to the trial judge's comments, Cummings said that her defense was that Kelly was not the perpetrator and she did not and could not say Jonathan was a possible suspect. She said, I'm saying I don't have any idea. I don't even know if it ever occurred. I'm just saying my client didn't do it. So her way of defending is, I don't know what happened, but I know that Greg Kelly didn't do it. Not the greatest. No, (laughs) not really. Consistent with the defense theory that both boys were making false accusations against Kelly, LM, who also testified via closed circuit television, said that there had not been sexual abuse. The prosecutor asked several times if he had been molested, and the boy said no to every question. Hmm. Which which brings into play the fact that children are uh, unreliable witnesses, right? Like, they're going to respond differently in different circumstances so being i don't know what their the layout of the land was but they're in an unfamiliar place via being recorded by a camera and being asked these questions by a prosecutor who they may or may not know at all but at minimum probably makes them uncomfortable And the detective on the case, I mean, you know, being a man and probably a little more hard-nosed than who Jennifer that was questioning them before, you know, like that also part plays a part in it. Are you comfortable and feel safe? Like probably not. Mm -hmm. So, right. I don't know. Neither HM nor LM identified Kelly in court. So they never like faced him and said he did it. They were never shown a photographic array during the investigative process. Wow. I feel like that'd be like the first thing. You would think step one, right? Right. Pick him out. I don't know. It's weird. So basically, just to run down how this happened, then the kids tell their parents, the police and the parents talk probably, and they finger point Greg Kelly. Yeah. That's like secondhand information, mm-hmm. basically. In his testimony, Detective Daly admitted asking leading questions during his interviews with the boys and that he had not followed best practices for interviewing the children. So, so that just goes to show he probably was super intimidating, <laughs> too. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Such practices call for asking open ended, non leading questions. Daly also admitted during cross-examination by Cummings that he had not gone to the McCarty home to look at the physical layout of the rooms, nor had he interviewed Kelly or anyone else who was in the home. He said that he believed the children and that was enough to charge Kelly. So he basically did not do his motherfucking job. No detective work. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, these kids said it was this guy. That's enough. Like, what they're for not only are they for but even if they're not for like they gave details in their story and i think we're gonna talk about it a little bit that he could have gone and verified and he didn't wow the evidence showed that hm had been subjected to at least eight non-professional conversations 
Wow. That is a lot. Uh, prior to his forensic interview at the child advocacy center, he also had four or five meetings at the prosecutor's office, including one during which he was shown the video of his interview <laughs> at the advocacy center. LM was questioned numerous times by his parents, several times at the advocacy center, including once by Detective Daly, and met with the prosecution four times. So he was just getting, like, hit from all angles. Both of these kids were, yeah. And the fact that, so HM had been subjected to at least eight non-professional conversations prior to his forensic interview. So that means that there were at least eight occurrences where someone could have driven Mm -hmm. and manipulated what he was going to say at that forensic interview right that was being conducted by an actual professional that knew what they were doing Mm -hmm. child psychologist dr stephen thorne testified for the defense if non-professionals are seeking out child number one and child number two to talk about these allegations he said and they are doing it in an improper way even if they are not intentionally doing it to in an improper way, it increased the likelihood of false allegations. Thorne said that DeZavato's use of semi-structured interviews was no better than flipping a coin while trying to determine if the allegations are true. Wow. So they were saying even, even her interviewing questions were not correct. Wow. Lee Carter, a child psychologist, testified for the prosecution that people who interview children about sexual abuse allegations need to establish rapport with the children and ask questions that are as open-ended as possible. He also said that repeated questions about an event, whether it's true or not, may cause the child to believe, well, she keeps asking me the same question. It must be because something happened. Mm-hmm. And so the answer has been telegraphed and they offer it, yeah. which is exactly what we're, what you're saying there. Like, eventually they aim to please. Eventually they are going to respond in a manner to to please. And again, not even saying that's what happened in this case, but there was just so much that those kids endured yeah. that they start believing it. I mean, at the beginning, a four-year-old is not a reliable witness. Mm -hmm. But then after all of that, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Kelly testified and denied sexually abusing the boys. He said that he was at school or work or virtually out or out virtually every day when the children were in the daycare and that the children were always gone by the time he came home. So he was he was playing high school football. So he wasn't at work. He was working out. He was either at school or working out for football. So which you think you'd be able to be like corroborated, right? I mean, which it is you totally can corroborate that. I mean, did your brother play high school football? I don't remember. Yeah, and he was there all the time. Yeah, they have like double practices. Mm -hmm. They have like crazy practices. So, and and we're talking during the day when the children are actually there. So by, you know, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., when you would come home from football practices after school, there's no kids there anymore. Mm -hmm. Several witnesses testified that Kelly was well known as an honest person. By the time the case went to the jury, the trial judge had dismissed one of the indecency charges involving LM due to lack of evidence. 
On July 16, 2014, after more than 12 hours of deliberation, the jury convicted Kelly of two counts of super aggravated sexual assault of HM and acquitted him of the remaining indecency with a child involving LM. It doesn't matter, though. You're still screwed. Like, it does nothing. Yeah. Um, the charges carried a minimum sentence of 25 years without parole and a maximum of life in prison. So you're done. So so each of those two charges were a minimum 25 years without parole. So minimum 50 years you're looking at. Yeah. Wow. The following day, just before the jury was to reconvene for sentencing, Kelly agreed to two concurrent 25-year prison terms with no chance of parole. In wow. return, yeah, in return, he waived his right to appeal but retained the right to file a motion for new trial and a state law petition for a writ of habeas corpus. A writ of habeas corpus, which literally means to produce the body, is a court order demanding that a public official, such as a warden, deliver an imprisoned individual to the court and show a valid reason for that person's detention. So by doing this, he it's like looking at two bad situations and picking the worst of two evils, basically. Right. Wow. Um, a construction business owner called Jake Bryden was sitting at home watching the news when he saw his former high school coach. Um, how do you say that? Gabri 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 Anderson's father, which is so his, his girlfriend, girlfriend. Mm -hmm. talking about the case. I know him to be a man of great character and he was always our leadership teacher in high school and taught a leadership class. And I was like, why is he on screen crying for a convicted pedophile? Bryden told Oxygen. Once Bryden looked into the case, he became convinced of Kelly's innocence. Although he'd never met Kelly, he put his own money into funding the legal battle to get his conviction overturned. What a good guy. Right? So there's a group of people at this point that are standing by Greg Kelly and are working towards helping him. Helping him. Mm -hmm. Attorney Keith Hampton filed a motion for a new trial on behalf of Kelly and subsequently amended it three times. The final amended motion cited a juror's statement that he was pressured into voting to convict Kelly, and it offered evidence that Kelly was barely at the McCarty home during the 192 days he lived there. That petition was denied in September 2014. Hampton appealed, but the Third District Court of Appeals upheld the decision in February 2016. Why? So time is just, yeah, time is just going by here, right? Wow. While his supporters gathered evidence, Kelly spent three years in jail. Could you imagine that? Just being a high school kid, playing football, getting ready to go off to the big leagues, and then now you're sitting in jail. Like, what a whirlwind for something that you did not do. Mm -mm. Kelly, Kelly and Anderson talked on the phone every day. They wrote each other love letters. Kelly learned to draw and would draw beautiful pictures for Anderson. Kelly encouraged Anderson to move to L.A. to study dance, which she did, flying home every second month to visit him. So she's invested. Mm -hmm. um, Kelly's mother and Anderson's parents would visit him almost every weekend. On one of those weekend visits, Kelly asked Anderson's father for his daughter's hand in marriage. Kelly made some friends in prison, but told E that he had to defend himself every day. I'm sure because being a child molester in prison, like, stop it. Um, 
he said, when you're in there as a pedophile, you're already the scum of the earth. And, and hundred percent, even if like, you know, I don't know how this story ends, but even if he is freed, he's still got like some people, once they hear that, that's all they see of you. Like mm-hmm. your, your life is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In March 2017, Hampton filed a state law petition for a writ of habeas corpus. According to the writ, new evidence discovered after trial showed that two witnesses heard Jonathan admit that he had sexually assaulted HM. Let's just let's all just sit with that for a second. What a ugh. That's terrible. Following the, yeah, yes. And they were friends. Yeah. Can you imagine I mean, obviously, Jonathan is a piece of shit, but mm-hmm. like me and you, any any friend that I would have let live with me yeah. would have been a very good friend to me. And then to like imagine letting them like take the fall for some fucked up shit you did. There are psychopaths everywhere, unfortunately. Ugh. Following the filing of two amended positions, a hearing was held in August 2017. At the conclusion of the hearing, Criminal District Court Judge Donna King recommended that the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals find that Cummings, so his defense attorney, had provided an inadequate legal defense and that the Cedar Park Police Department had conducted such a shoddy and incomplete investigation that Kelly had been denied a fair trial. By agreement of the prosecution and defense, Kelly was released on bond on August 22, 2017. So he was in prison for three years. Then he was released on bond. Okay. In December 2017, Judge King issued additional findings of fact and recommended to the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals that Kelly's conviction be overturned based on actual innocence. The prosecution and the defense also agreed to these findings. The judge found credible testimony from witnesses that Jonathan McCarty looked very similar to Kelly, that he had admitted that he had molested HM, and that they saw photographs of naked kids on his cell phone. I mean, that is all the red flags you need. <laughs> and I how feel. did that not come up if if whatever bro's name is, that was the detective, would have done literally Anything. any of his job, literally any of it? Or something would have come up or his defense attorney just saying, I don't know what happened, but I know he didn't do it. That's doesn't cut it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's well, not what you say. Listen, le- read on friend. Cause it gets worse. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. The judge found credible testimony from witnesses that, jo- Oh, I'm sorry. I already read that part. Um, unlike Kelly, Jonathan McCarty was living in the home in July, 2013 when HM's parents believed that he was assaulted. So the um, situation of them looking similar, do you see the picture if you scroll yeah. down under? Yeah. That's, that's Jonathan. That is, they do look similar, but I'd be wondering who has the SpongeBob pants. Well, you're going to find out. I, I would also it. like to say that Greg Kelly is significantly more attractive than Jonathan. However, they 100. both have very short hair, pronounced eyebrows very masculine faces so they do look similar and it was probably dark i mean i don't know i don't know probably other evidence presented at this hearing included 
Mike Adams, an expert forensic digital examiner, found pictures of naked children on McCarty's computer and on his cell phone, while no such photos were on Kelly's phone. Adams characterized the photos as child pornography. McCarty posted a photo of a dancing seven-year-old girl on social media captioned, My Dream Boat. What in the hell is wrong with him? Especially, like, for all intents and purposes, he feels like he got off the hook, right? Like, so he, (sighs) his friends taking the fault. So why would you post that shit? Maybe it happened before. Or he posted it before, but regardless, like. That's a red flag. Yeah. Like, thank you for being so dumb and making it so easy (laughs) to catch you. However, apparently nobody did their job in the first place once again. Wow. Um, also, four women accused McCarty of raping them after being drugged. Oh, my God. Cody Mitchell, an investigator with the Texas Rangers, reviewed the Cedar Park Police investigation and concluded that the police failed to perform many basic steps necessary to conduct an effective investigation and that the investigation was not adequate. You know, uh, duh. Right. <laughs> Mitchell also concluded that the police and prosecution backtracked the day of HM's assault from July 12th, 2013 to April 15th, mm-hmm. 2013, because Greg Kelly was their suspect. They were concentrating on time frames that he was there. So they lied. Yep. According to data on Kelly's cell phone, on July 12, 2013, the day police alleged HM was molested, he was helping his brother move from Hutto, Texas to South Austin, Texas. In addition, while he had about 9,000 images on his phone, none of them were naked children. Because he's not a freak. HM, this is one that really gets me. HM said he was assaulted in a room with a couch, a crib, and a bed. HM's mother said that the one time she came to get HM when he was still sleeping, he was in a room with wrestling trophies. McCarty's room had a bed, a crib, a couch, and trophies. In contrast, Kelly's room was so small that the bed took up most of the space. So the molestation occurred in McCarty's room. And then HM said the person who molested him wore SpongeBob pajamas Witnesses said McCarty regularly wore SpongeBob pajamas at times, even at school. Wow. How could they have missed all of this? I don't know. It is the worst part, too, is that for three years, this guy is still around kids, just Mm -hmm. like living his life. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Whew. Uh, that's a lot. In, in recommending that the writ be granted, Judge King ruled that Cummings had provided an inadequate legal defense because she had previously present, represented members of the McCarty family, including a half-brother who had been prosecuted as a juvenile for sex offenses. So obviously she was on their payroll, maybe. Judge King also concluded that because H.M. failed to identify Kelly in a lineup, photo array, or at trial, the prosecution's case was insufficient to sustain a conviction on appeal. Therefore, the judge found Cummings' advice that Kelly waive his appeal was not based on sound trial strategy because it was likely that had Kelly been afforded the opportunity, the Court of Appeals would not have found the evidence sufficient. What? So if he hadn't... Mm-hmm. 
So basically they're saying if she hadn't recommended that he take those two consecutive 25 year terms to then do do this, what he ended up doing, that they may have found the court of appeals may have found that the evidence was not sufficient. This is and he could have been out earlier, basically. This is just he got screwed on multiple levels. Mm hmm. Cummings contended that her legal work for the McCarty family was years earlier and did not influence her decisions in Kelly's case. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's what you say. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's what you say. Uh-huh. In regard to the waiver of appeal issue, she also noted that Kelly had not waived his right to file a motion for a new trial. Therefore, in the event that the evidence at trial was insufficient to sustain the convictions, Hampton could have raised the issue. Cummings maintained that she and the defense team had, in fact, investigated the possibility that Jonathan McCarty molested the boys. No, they didn't. No, they (laughs) didn't. Because if that was brought up, then maybe um, McCarty would have been in jail and not this poor chap. Mm-hmm. on november 16th 2019 so we're still trucking along on the years here the texas court of criminal appeals granted the writ and vacated kelly's convictions so let's just take a second for that he was out on bond in 2017 but from 2017 through the end of november like the end of 2019 he was still walking around with a conviction on his Mm. record right in a tersely worded two-page decision the court of criminal appeals said applicant kelly alleges among other things that he is actually innocent of committing the offense in this case the state agrees that he is entitled to relief the court rejected all the lower court findings wow what a whirlwind and he's like he's past his prime now essentially too like yeah mm. in a concurrence court of criminal appeals judge david netwell joined by judge burt richardson agreed that kelly had proven his innocence but wrote separately to clarify points of disagreement with the trial court he wrote i agree that the system failed kelly it convicted an innocent man, but I do not agree that Kelly's constitutional rights were violated by either the Cedar Park Police or trial counsel. How is that not possible? Like, obviously. Uh, agree to disagree, bitch. Right. Like, <laughs> you messed up. Yes, they were. <laughs> Judge Noel said that Judge King's conclusion that Kelly's convictions would have been set aside on appeal due to insufficient evidence was a conclusion that lacks a basis in law. No. Nope. That's not true. Yeah. Mm-mm. That's a CYA moment. <laughs> <laughs> Newell further disagreed with the trial court that Cummings had a conflict of interest because of prior representation of members of the McCarty family. The half brother, the evidence showed, was not even in the McCarty home during the relevant time period, the judge noted. Newell also found that Cummings did investigate Jonathan. Quote, Cummings interviewed Jonathan three times and many other witnesses in an effort to gather information about Jonathan, Newell said. Who? Who'd you talk to? Right. Not enough people, apparently. (laughs) He noted that Kelly told her before trial that he believed the children made up the accusations because they're friends. He probably didn't Mm -hmm. think his friend was capable of something like that. Right. Newell also rejected the lower court's findings that Kelly had received an inadequate legal defense. Unlike the trial court, 
I lost my place. Newell concluded, I find that counsel's advice in this regard was reasonably professional and motivated by sound strategy. He added, a court will not judge by hindsight the trial decisions of an attorney when those decisions follow accepted legal strategy and when, in the context of the time when they were made, they appeared to be in the best interest of the client. I end with the obvious, Patricia Cummings' defense was successful as to one child. So basically... No, but what about the other child who got slammed? Right. I don't try. Yeah. The conversation, this whole little section is basically them standing up, this guy standing up for Patricia Cummings. And I feel like it's that is a whole other segment on his own. She, mm. I don't, I do not think that she went out to purposefully like destroy Gray Kelly. Yeah. And I think that the whole conversation or the whole statement around that we won't judge in hindsight what somebody did previously, like yeah. now that we have all the information, we can't go back and right. judge a decision somebody made. When that decision, you can say that it was done legally and followed acceptable legal strategy. I mean, okay, fine, whatever. Still very suspicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. After McCurdy was named as a suspect in the child molestation case, a woman came forward and said he had drugged and sexually assaulted her when she was 15. McCurdy was sentenced to four years in jail. So not 50, just just four in Mm -hmm. pleading guilty to unlawful restraint and drug charges, but not sexually assaulting anybody. Like, where's that charge? Where'd that go? You know, I actually should have looked that up. That happened right after he was accused, basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where he's at now. So if you want to read the next section, I'll find out. Okay. So although folks all seem to agree, or at least not actively disagree, with the bottom line that Kelly should have never been prosecuted, they disagree about what went wrong or how to make it right, Newell said. While the judicial system has an obligation to set things straight when an innocent person is convicted of a crime he did not commit, it need not lay blame on good faith actors in doing so. I mean, I guess, but whatever. On November 27th, 2019, the prosecution dismissed the charges. In 2020, as Kelly worked on putting his world back together, buoyed by his faith and all the love in his life, including from his now wife, the high school girlfriend who stuck by him through everything, which is like unheard of. Mm -hmm. He also sued the city of Cedar Park, former uh, police chief Sean Mannix and Sergeant Christopher Daly, who was the lead investigator on the case. Good for him. Um, Yep. According to the lawsuit filed in May 2020 and obtained by the Austin American Statesman, Kelly alleges that Daly did not verify Kelly's location the day of the assault did not investigate other suspects, falsified information about when the assault happened, and deleted emails about the case. Ooh. Yeah. You know how we like deleted emails. We don't mm-hmm. like it. The, the suit contends that Daly was told Kelly hadn't lived at the McCarty home since June 2013, but changed the date to make it look as if he was still there on July's date the assault was alleged to have occurred. Which yes. yeah, man. So I, I hope he gets so much money. I just want to insert in here then that Jonathan McCarty 
uh did go to jail for the um girl that he raped and drugged he put codeine in her soda what the hell yeah and then there were four there were four other women in four different counties in texas that um accused him basically but he pleaded guilty to the unlawful restraint and drug charges against him and was sentenced to those four years however he got out on bail in what year was this article written 2020 so he out on the mean streets um and he was working at a landscaping company in round rock texas so watch your back round rock yeah because he's a freaking menace to society hide your kids hide your wife (laughs) hide your drinks (laughs) yes (laughs) what the f Mm. anyways so yes he filed that suit and sued them daily resigned in july 2020 according to spectrum news and the city sent a letter to the district attorney's office requesting an investigation into the now former police sergeant's conduct (laughs) having previously maintained that he conducted a thorough investigation in the kelly case daily had yet to comment of course not (laughs) like what are you gonna say because you cannot defend yourself you know cannot there's nothing you can say that will make this okay chief mannix retired from the cedar park force in february 2020 and was due to assume that same role in the much smaller city of burnett about 36 miles away but k kxan reported on july 13th 2020 that he would no longer be taking that job (laughs) oh you idiot i'm just feeling like a little bit of justice in that i mean not enough but like a little bit i'm glad you can't find a job Nobody Mm -hmm. wants you because you're bad. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Kelly has publicly expressed his hope that Daly and Mannix would be fired, telling reporters outside Burnett City Hall, the reason why we wanted this to happen, guys, is because it's not about me. It's about the next person, which is like such a big thing to think about, right? Like, yeah, that is very admirable. 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 He's just so, like, a good guy. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make sure that this guy did not want to come right next door to y'all's town because I know you guys love your town just like we love ours and do this to somebody else. He added, the heartache and division it has created in our town is something that should never happen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What? Mm. what a, I just want to hug him. Just give I him a know. big old hug. Oh, his his face he's so cute he, and, and I'm like so, i'm so glad he's innocent because yeah right well in that like this girl like that's unheard of having somebody stick with you through all like okay yeah my uh but husband molested is charged with molesting two kids but he didn't do it like how do not you even husband my 18 year old boyfriend yeah. my high school sweetheart which like people don't a lot of times you Mm -hmm. know stick with that and like yeah yeah, she just knew so little upgrade update on them about greg and gabry both just 17 at the time the trial made them grow up fast kelly wrote her letters with drawings of hearts all over them from prison the physical was taken away from us gabry 
who was a cheerleader in high school, she now teaches at a dance studio near Cedar Park, told the Post, Imagine not being able to kiss or hug the person you love. We had to fall in love with each other's hearts through these letters. Aww. Kelly asked me goosebumps. His... That's I... so sweet. They're so adorable. Kelly asked his future father-in-law for his daughter's hand in marriage while he was still locked up, but he didn't propose to her until after he was out. And then this part makes me so sad and so sick. Earning money proved tough while he was still a convicted felon, so he saved up for a ring doing yard work and other odd jobs. Because it is so hard for convicted felons to get jobs, and especially if the felony is sexual violent and mm-hmm. and to a child yep like ugh. they tied the knot in austin january 2020 they said they were holding off on having kids though so that greg could focus on school i love that they're so freaking cute mm-hmm. and ugh. he went back into college football by the way Oh, like so amazing i don't i couldn't really find i think there was something about eastern michigan and then him playing for taxes so like good for I him yeah like still following his dream there oh i love it okay so now we've got a 2023 update on him so years before greg kelly was freed from a wrongful conviction the texas man's mother rosa kelly sold her home to help pay his legal bills. And if you remember, the reason why he was staying at this house in the first place is because both of his parents were super sick. Mm-hmm. He settled his lawsuit out of court for an undisclosed sum last year, hopefully millions and millions. Kelly I don't told think so, but... I'm going to believe that it was millions <laughs> and millions. Kelly told the American statesman that he then used some of the settlement money to buy a 1.3 acre piece of property for his mother in January. She once again has a home of her own after her son recently bought her one as a gesture of his gratitude for her support, which helped set the stage for his exoneration in 2019. I'm so happy. I know. I'm so happy. Rosa Kelly needed a new home because she traded her old one for cash ahead of his trial so that her son could afford good legal representation, which didn't happen. No, no, it didn't. (laughs) She did not get her money's worth. (laughs) But she did it. Yeah. She had spent the years since then moving around apartments in the Austin area or staying in family members' spare bedrooms. Her new tract of land includes a mobile home that he is renovating along with a pasture and two spanish goats oh good how sweet according to kelly he bought his mother the or brought his mother to the property while making her think that he just wanted her to look at some land that he was possibly investing in then after they looked around he told her that the property actually belonged to her oh my gosh I'm so happy that, th- I mean, I'm, this is terrible, but like this, we don't get happy endings very often. And this is I like, know. he is still doing what he wanted to do. He's got a girlfriend. They're, you know, they're married, like all this stuff. It's just so amazing. I'm so happy. Rosa Kelly, whose husband Douglas died in 2019 after a stroke, described to the American statesman how she reacted to her son's revelation. I cried and cried and hugged him, she said. Rosa Kelly said she already knows exactly what she's going to do with her home when it's completed. I'm going to sit on the porch and read my Bible, which I do every day. That is just like 
the most heartwarming thing. She can be with her goats, reading mm-hmm. the Bible on her rocking chair. Oh. Yeah, I'm just like picturing her with like all this like flat, beautiful land with her goats and then like yes. the sun, sun going down and her just sitting on her porch and her little like so. Ugh. I want to be like so her happy. when I grow up. Like that's a good, great, fantastic mother right there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Greg has been taking classes at the University of Texas after enrolling in its business school's entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, whatever program. He has invested in his brother's trucking company and runs a business which makes targets for axe throwing. Hmm. However, nothing mattered more to him than getting his mom that new home. (laughs) He said, since my release from prison, I had set up many goals to achieve. One of them being to repay my mother's sacrifice of selling her home for cash so we could afford my legal representation. Kelly said he was finishing up plans to build an office for the Target business on his mother's new property just to maximize his time near her. (laughs) I'm dying. (laughs) After I was exonerated, he said, I always wanted to keep her close. Oh, we're just going to end with that. Is that not the sweetest thing? I'm like teary eyed. We can't do happy endings because we both just sit here and cry. (laughs) We can't. This is just so magical. Like, it's just the best thing I've ever heard of. I'm so happy for him and his family. That's so sad that his dad passed away, but at least he was out by then, right? So he got to be there. It's the I same hope. year that he was exonerated, but yes, he was out in 2017. So okay. he, was, he was out. Around. I hope his dad got to see him exonerated. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he did or not because I didn't look up the actual date of his death, which I definitely mm-hmm. could not. But, oh, just... Wow. I don't know what a what a beautiful redemption arc and it's just so sad that it even had to happen because can you mm. imagine what his life could have been if this didn't happen to him oh yeah like we could have been watching like, him on the Super Bowl yeah but here he is taking a shit sandwich mm-hmm. and still making a beautiful life with his beautiful wife and he had all these people that believed in him and loved him and never left his side and it's just so I don't know in the mm. the the bitterness that I'm sure that you would have to feel like knowing that you didn't do it, knowing, watching all these dreams just fly out the window, but then still like whenever you get out wanting to do the right thing by other people and like not wanting them to have to go through this, like that is just what a good freaking guy. Like what yeah, a good it just guy. Shows, it just shows what a beautiful person he is Yeah, like to begin oh. with, to be able to get through. You're right. It would be so easy when you're in prison oh, and yeah. all those people think you're a child molester to be, it would be so easy to like turn dark. Yeah, exactly. And, or in, in the fact that he's still alive. I mean, a lot of those people get shanked and they're dead. Like yeah. if, if you hurt a child, you're dead. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I'm just so, that's so heartwarming. So, wow. What a good story. This is way better than the last one. Oh, yeah. The last <laughs> one leaves you with a lot to think about and, like, internal struggles. You're right. Like... <laughs> I was telling, this I went to, is just so bad. I went to dinner with somebody last night and I was telling them about the the last podcast episode we did and how I was like going real hard and then I was like oh I don't know how I feel about all this and it, just the roller coaster that it took and you still don't feel good at the end of it this one you feel good like yeah justice was served he's okay he's doing great and I hope that that other kid is <laughs> just watch out Texas like that's all I got to say about that on the the McCarty that is the that is the only bad part is that these those two children they were 
molested. Yeah. And victims. nobody nobody went to jail for that. I mean, right. he Greg Kelly did and he didn't do it. Right. So that that still doesn't sit right, but mm-hmm. and hopefully they got the help that they needed. And mm-hmm. I hope that that abuse didn't occur because I, they could have still been around McCarty during all of this crap. I, I mean, no, if my kid got molested at a in-home daycare yeah. center, I don't no. care if I thought the guy was gone. My kid's not going back to that house. Like, yeah. That, yeah. That can't be good for their mental health. So hopefully right. they weren't still around him. But I mean, yes, it's a possibility. Wow. 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 What a tale. Yeah. So there you have it. I'm going to cite my sources. I used law.umich, like Michigan, University of Michigan, .edu, theguardian.com, mamamia.com, yahoo.com. There is a docuseries on Showtime called Outcry about Greg Kelly's story, which I haven't watched yet, but I'm definitely going to. Oh, yeah, for sure. I bet that's a good one. Yeah, I want to hear some interviews with him and his girlfriend and his mom and his dad. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that would be good. And then the the latest Jonathan McCarty news I got off of the cinemaholic.com. Awesome. Well, that was a good a good note, a good way to end a Friday. Yeah. So we some, hope some that happy news. Yeah, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and it gave you some sort of good fuzzy feeling. Um, on Patreon exclusive episode 123, Greg Kelly, The Wrongful Conviction. We appreciate you being a patron and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.